as we continue through this series of sermons, Pastor started off a couple weeks ago dealing with wisdom. We'll take a look at wisdom through Proverbs chapter 1, beginning at verse number 8. Drunk off wisdom, high off insight, lit with the nerds, party with the wise guys. Wisdom in the streets, but you distracted by the Wi-Fi. Christ really raised from the dead, no sci-fi. See, the gospel is still foolish to those who don't believe, but for me and my team, it's the power that set us free. Still enticed by the sins that had us oppressed, dizzy off the henny, paranoid by the plant, allured by the lust of the pretty woman's trap. It's like, when I want to do good, evil is right there. I keep my eyes to the hills and say a quick prayer. Then I wrestle with God. I'm Bishop Ric Flair. He invests his son. He owns all the shares. So I keep my brothers next to me. Take a lift to destiny. Keep the Sabbath holy. I tell my haters to rest in peace. P Proverbs 1. Are you there yet? New Living Translation is what I'm reading from. But as long as you have a Bible, you should be all right. When you have it, could you please say amen? Verse 8 says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. Verse 15, my child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. Amen. As we continue this series of sermons dealing with wisdom, I just want to talk about real quick, when wisdom is your best friend. When wisdom is your best friend. LeBron James uh, is a producer of his new TV show, The Shop, which is... Um, it's the concept of them being in a barbershop, just having discussions. And in his first episode, a couple months back, someone asked LeBron James about his children. He has three children, two sons who play basketball, and uh, one of which is named after him, LeBron James Jr. They call him Bronny. And someone asked LeBron James, how do you keep the pressure off of your sons um, for them to understand that they don't have to be their dad? How do you keep the pressure off of your son so they understand that they don't have to live up to the greatness, the magnitude of greatness that you have achieved? And LeBron James says that he regrets naming his oldest son after him. He said he regrets it for that very, for that very reason, that he didn't want to put the pressure on his son to feel like he has to live up to this magnitude of greatness. He says, I regret naming him that, but I, he said, I I came from a home where my father wasn't there. And I made up in my mind that I was going to be a father to my children, better than what my dad was to me, so much so that he named his child 
after him, LeBron James Jr. And LeBron says that I regret naming him that. But, but he also says that even though I regret naming him that, I give my sons, I give my children the blueprint to greatness. That's what he said. He said, I give my son the blueprint to achieve success. And after I give them the blueprint, it's up to my children to decide whether they will use the blueprint to achieve the greatness for themselves. Proverbs is just that. It is a blueprint that the children of the king are able to receive. That you and I can learn a lesson from this blueprint in Proverbs. In fact, because we are children of the king, we can always depend on the father to give us a blueprint on how we can achieve success, on how we can live out greatness, on how we can live out the plan that God has for our life. It is a blueprint. That's what Proverbs is. It's literally a father, King Solomon, uh, giving wisdom and Proverbs to his sons who are coming up to be the next kings of Israel. And the book of Proverbs is a very creative book. It's filled with similes and metaphors, filled with stories. It's filled um, with, well, Proverbs. And in fact, the book of Proverbs really tries to encourage its readers to use wisdom in their everyday life. And what Pastor Johnson uh, spoke to us about a couple weeks ago, what wisdom is, wisdom is you applying the knowledge that you get. So it's not enough to just receive it and obtain it. At some point, you have to apply it. And that, my friends, is wisdom. And I love what King Solomon does in the book of Proverbs. The Bible, uh, it is said that He's speaking to his sons. Scholars suggest that perhaps he's speaking to his biological children. Others say that it, it may not be his biological children, but it may just be um, the young men in the, in the community, in the nation, who are going to be in the palace and have political uh, offices and have political positions, and he's putting them on game. And I love this. Whether it be his biological children or whether it be just a few young men that he's mentoring, I love the fact that this shows us the older generation giving wisdom to the younger generation. I, I love the fact that King Solomon, he understands, he's wise enough to understand that even though he's king now, he won't always be king. And so he's not threatened nor is he jealous by the young kings that are coming up behind him. But he gives them a blueprint on how to navigate the nation to withhold uh, uh, to withhold the things that are coming along their way and make sure that the kingdom and Israel are sustained because he knows that I won't be king forever, but I'm going to give wisdom and I'm going to give knowledge to those who are coming behind me. And I love the way he does it because I don't know if you've ever tried to speak to young people before and try to talk to them about life and greatness and success, but it's hard to keep and maintain their attention. But what King Solomon does, I love his approach. I love his pedagogy. He he personifies wisdom. He personifies not just wisdom, but he also personifies foolery. Because if wisdom is applying the knowledge that you get, then perhaps foolery is the audacity to obtain the knowledge, but then don't apply it. To get the wisdom, to get the disciplines and the principles and just sit on them. Somebody said that's foolery right there. Yeah, that's foolish. That's foolish for you to come to church, come to Bible study, Sunday school, get the scriptures, get the sermons, download the messages. You get all the information, but they don't apply it. That's foolery. But King Solomon, he's trying to, he's trying to help his sons understand the difference between wisdom and foolery. And he does it by 
by giving wisdom and foolery personality. He does it by giving wisdom and foolery. He, he, he personifies it. He gives them characters. And when you continue to read through Proverbs, you discover that the way he's describing wisdom and foolery is by describing them as a woman. Wisdom is a woman. Foolery is a woman. Well, what is he doing? Well, he's talking to young boys. So perhaps King Solomon thought to maintain their attention, I could talk to them about women. And he uses wisdom and foolery and describes them as women. And I love the fact that he personifies wisdom and foolery because it lets you and I know that all of us, whether male or female, have the capacity to act out in wisdom and in foolery. That the thin line that divides wisdom and foolery is not age, it's not gender, it's not how much money you make, it's not where you live, it's not the position you hold, it's not the car that you drive, but the thin line that divides wisdom and foolery is your relationship with God. Verse 7 suggests that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So regardless of how much money you make, regardless of where you live, what you drive, the education that you have, none of that matters when it comes to wisdom. Because we all know at least one somebody who got money, but they still foolish. They just a rich fool. We all know at least one somebody who got multiple degrees, but they still foolish. They, they one of the smartest fools you'll ever know because none of that has nothing to do with wisdom. But, but wisdom begins with your relationship with God. So the book of Proverbs is literally a blueprint that the king gives his children. And, and it helps us maneuver through this thing called life. It gives, gives us wisdom on how, to, on how to deal with friendships and relationships and marriage. Gives us wisdom on how to raise our children. Gives us wisdom on how to manage our money, how to save, how to give to the poor. Gives us wisdom on how to set goals and plan for our life. And, and most importantly, it shows us the importance of our relationship with God. In Proverbs chapter 1, Solomon is letting us know the importance of wisdom. He says that when wisdom personified, when wisdom is your best friend, it can have positive influence in, in different areas of your life. One being, it can have a positive impact on your family dynamic. Let's read for a little bit. Verse 8 suggests, it says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. What you learn from them, here it is, will crown you with grace and be a chain around your neck. When wisdom is your best friend, parents begin to understand that whatever goes on in the home, my child will begin to wear it outside of the home. He says, it's a crown over your head. It's a chain around your neck. Where do they get it from? They got it from their parents in the home. Because wise parents understand that whatever goes on in the home my child will begin to reflect that outside of the home. Because here it is. Wise parents produce wise children. Foolish parents produce foolish. Y'all got it. It all starts in the home. Wise parents understand that, that my child will begin to mimic outside of the home what they see me display inside of the home. Because guess what? Your child ain't dumb. Your child is not fooled by the behavior they see you display for 90 minutes 
once a week on a Sunday morning. Yeah, you got your church clothes on. You can lift your hands in total praise. You can give God praise and worship and say amen to the preacher. But when church is over, you cussing them out. No, they not fooled by the behavior. But what they do is they mimic what you see, what they see in the home. They'll begin to mimic that outside of the home. So perhaps there's a parent here today and you're, and you're priding yourself on your parenting. You, you want to be a great parent. So you nosy when it comes to your kids. So you reading their text messages and you hacking their social media accounts because you want to see what's going on in their DMs, who they talking to, how they talking. You want to see who they following, what they post. You, you, you doing a great job and being a parent and then all of a sudden you come across something. You like, where did my child learn to speak this way? Where did my child learn this behavior? Where, 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 where did my child see this inappropriate behavior? Where do they learn this disposition? This attitude, and as you're disciplining them for their inappropriate behavior, begin to reflect on yourself. What type of example have I shown in the home? How have I talked in the home? How have I behaved in the home? And I hear what you're saying. Pastor Jay, I don't sin in front of my kids. I hide my sin. They don't hear me cuss. They don't hear me talk like that. They don't, they don't see the sex partners that I bring when they sleep. They don't see the type of videos that I watch. They don't hear the type of music that I listen to. But understand this. You may be trying to hide your sin, but you can't hide the spirit that dwells in your home. And our behavior and our attitudes and our disposition sets the atmosphere and the environment in the home so much so that whatever the environment is set in the home, they'll begin to wear it outside of the home. Because a parent who is best friends with wisdom understands. That, that at some point, I have to understand that homeschool ain't an option. It's a requirement. Oh, I see how you're looking at me. When I, when I say homeschool, I don't mean to literally pull your kids out of school and try to teach them something that you don't even know at the career. That's not what I'm saying. When I say homeschool ain't an option, it's a requirement, what I mean is this. When parents who are best friends with wisdom they understand that I can't solely depend on external institutions and organizations to give my child what they need to become great and successful. Don't get me wrong. I thank God that your child is in school. I thank God that your child is in the Ignite Youth and Children's Program. I thank God that your child is involved in extracurricular activities and organizations. But you can't solely depend on external institutions and organizations to give your child what they need to survive in this world. At some point, you're going to have to take responsibility for yourself as a wise parent and homeschool your child. Y'all looking at me crazy. Well, can I testify? I am a product of homeschool. I'm going to be real with y'all. I, I, was, I was the Ruby Bridges of my school district and school system in high school. Y'all know who Ruby Bridges is? Google her, Ruby Bridges. I was the Ruby Bridges of my school system. I, I went to a predominantly white junior high and high school with white teachers, white administration, white students, white curriculum, white men on the wall, white men in the book. And, and I realized growing up that the school system, the school that I was a part of, didn't have the tools to equip me to become 
a productive black man in America. They didn't have the tools. But the good news is I had parents who was best friends with wisdom. That when I came home from school, after I did my best with the homework that my teachers gave me, my parents had another set of homework for me at the crib because they was homeschooling me. I didn't learn about Malcolm X and the Black Panthers at the school. I didn't learn how to handle it when the police confront me. I didn't learn how to grow up as a black man in America, but I had parents who was best friends with wisdom, that it was my father who forced me to memorize Langston Hughes poems. It was my father that taught me about the Harlem Renaissance. And because I had parents who was best friends with wisdom, they gave me something in the home that I can wear outside of the home. Do I have a witness in this place? Because when your parents are best, when parents are best friends with wisdom, they give their child something to wear in the home. That's what wise parents do. Matter of fact, that's what foolish parents do. Parents who are best friends with foolery, they too give their child something to wear. But the difference is, it's in the substance. The, the difference between a parent who is best friends with wisdom and a parent who is best friends with foolery is the substance in which they wear. Because, because we all know parents who try to negotiate with their child based off the material things that they give them. So because I just bought you this $200 pair of shoes, you better be acting right. Because I just bought you this iPhone X, you, you, you should have a better attitude. Because I just bought you this Gucci belt, why are you acting a fool in front of your friends? They try to negotiate with their child based off the material things, because they're giving them something to wear. But the difference is the substance. Don't get me wrong, Jordans is cool. But when your child goes off to school, away from home, dealing with problems and issues, those Jordans that you gave him in the fifth grade won't match up to the Jesus you could have gave him. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Gucci belt, it looks cool. But when he's dealing with depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts, that Gucci belt won't do what the peace of the Lord can do. That at some point, the swag is cool, but he gonna need the savior. Yeah, she looks cute, but she gonna need some character. You gotta give your child something they can wear of substance in the home so that they can sustain outside of the home. It, it, it's, about, it's about being best friends with wisdom, you got to give your child something to wear. This, the text says it was a crown. Give them something that'll cover their thoughts. Give them something that'll cover their worldview, their head like a crown. A chain, yeah, give them something that can cover their self-esteem, their confidence, their feelings, their emotions, their heart like a chain. Because when you give them something in the home of substance, they'll be able to sustain even outside of the home. I, I've had the privilege to do a, a couple weddings this year. Uh, one wedding in particular, um, was downtown, and um, it was a very beautiful ceremony. And um, at the end of the ceremony, they had the dove release. Y'all ever seen the dove release before? Um, it's a beautiful picture to see the doves release. And, and as I was sitting there finishing up the ceremony, and they allowed the doves to be released, um, one of the things that came into my mind, the question that I had is, where are the doves going? <laughs> they released the doves. It looks beautiful. But where are they going? Where are they flying to? And that question was in my head so much so that after the ceremony, I had to talk with the dove man, the man who provided the doves. And I said, dove man, where are the doves going? 
You released them. But where are they going? And the dove man says something very profound. He says that they're going back to the place in which I trained them. He says, he says, regardless of where I released them in the city, they go back and return to the place where I trained them. Here it is. He says this, that, that I learned something, that, that if I wait until the dove is two years old, it's too late then. But he says, the earlier I begin to train them, regardless of where, the re where they are released, they know to come back home. Wasn't it not King Solomon that said, train a child up in the way that they should go, that even when they go out into this crazy world, they won't depart from me? Is there anybody in the room that thanks God that your parents was best friends with wisdom, that they gave you something of substance in the home, that so you won't forget it when you go outside of the home? Do I have a witness in this place? Best friends with wisdom. Wait a minute. This ain't just for the parents, though. This is for the kids, too. It's Youth Sunday. I had to bring something for the kiddos. Watch what the text says. Verse 8, we still there. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. Because when wisdom is your best friend, you understand that, that what, your, what your parents are trying to give you is not to ruin your life. I know what you're saying. You're trying to ruin my life. No, they're not. Because when wisdom is your best friend, you know that your parents actually care about you. Your parents actually love you. I know it's hard to believe. Because it, they show that they care and love for you by giving you room and board for the free. They're giving you food. They're giving you clothes that you ain't got to come out of your own pocket for. They're trying to save money up for your college tuition. They actually love you. They actually care about you. And everything that your parents are doing to you is their best attempt to guide you on the path that God has set before you. Because here it is. Many of, us know some, many of us know children, our friends, perhaps our peers, um, whose parents don't care nothing about them. They just let them do whatever they want to do. They don't care about their whereabouts. They don't care about who they with. They don't care about their social media habits. They don't care about what they watch, what they listen to. They ain't nosy when it comes to they. We all know parents who are like that. And some child is saying to yourself, man, I wish I had parents like that. No, you don't. You want your parents to be nosy. You want your parents to care about you. You want your parents to give you the instruction that you need to get to the destiny that God has for you. Because here it is, the rebellion that you show towards your parents is ultimately rebellion towards God. Can I say it again? The rebellion that you have towards your parents is ultimately the rebellion that you have towards God. In the Old Testament, y'all, there are hundreds of laws, hundreds of commandments, so many commandments that we can't even remember them all. But in Exodus chapter 20, Moses gives us 10 commandments. These are the top 10 commandments of all time. And in the top 10 commandments of all time, there is a commandment within the top 10 that says, honor your mother and father. Because when you rebel against your parents, you're rebelling against God. And one way you can honor your mother and father is by listening to their instructions and not neglecting your mother's teaching. 
But here's the issue. We are living in a day and age where children are parenting themselves. We got fathers who've walked out. We got mothers who are strung out. We got grandparents who are too old to even take care of themselves, let alone they great grandchildren. We got aunts and uncles who, who are not tapped in. And, and, and we all know that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. The problem is we're not, we're not giving the village an opportunity to have a hand in the raising of our children. We need some parents, some mentors, some coaches, some youth directors to step up in the hand of raising our children. Because when wisdom is your best friend, then you know that anybody that has been successful in any area of life they're, they were able to reach their success and their greatness because they had people outside of their family who had a hand in guiding them to their success. You ain't got to believe me, that's biblical. Wasn't it not Moses who was having trouble with bringing order to the millions of people that he was leading? And it was his father-in-law, Jethro, who came to the meeting and said, boy, you're going to have to empower some leaders to help you lead these people into the promised land. Wasn't it not Samuel, whose mother Hannah dropped him off at the church, and it was the priest Eli who raised Samuel up to be one of the greatest prophets in the history of Israel? Wasn't it not our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who had a stepfather in Joseph who decided to stay in the life of his wife Mary and had a hand in raising Jesus up to be the Savior of the world because all of us need somebody outside of our family to give us a hand to lead us to the purpose and the destiny that God has called for our life. When wisdom is your best friend, wisdom will have a positive impact on the dynamic of your family. Wait a minute, when wisdom is your best friend, she will have a positive impact on how you select your friends. It's right here. Verse 10, watch it, what it says. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Don't even mess with them. Go the other way. Go to a different path. Here's the thing about selecting friends is that you and I have the freedom to select our friends. Friends aren't forced upon us. We have the freedom to select. Family is for us. We can't, we can't help to have a family in our life. We're born with the family. Whether wise or foolery, we're, bo we're, we're born with the family. But with friends, we have the opportunity and the freedom to select our friends. Um, there was a study that was, there's a study that's out, talks about teen driving. Um, and there's a study that says that, that teens who drive the car, when they have other teens in the car with them, it doubles their chances of getting into a deadly car accident. Teens who are just learning how to drive, they get their driver's license, they excited. They call all their friends who are teenagers. When they get in the car, they driving. It doubles their chances of getting into a deadly car accident. Because when they're in the car, there's a plethora of distractions that are going on. The music is loud. Somebody trying to FaceTime. Somebody else on Snapchat. Somebody else scrolling through the gram. Somebody else talking crazy in the back. All these things are going on, distracting the person trying to get to a destination. And the lesson of the study suggests that we have to be aware, we have to be careful of who we allow to tag along on our ride of life. 
that if you're not careful and you're connected, you got people in your circle that are pulling you back from your destiny. You'll end up on the road of destruction. You got to be mindful of the friends you have around you. Oh, yeah, I didn't get it with the study. Perhaps you'll get it with LeBron. We opened up with LeBron. And I'm excited that the NBA season is back. We about two, three games in, and I'm excited about it. And, um, and, and when LeBron went to L.A., it reminded me of the time that LeBron left Cleveland the first time. Y'all remember that big uprising that was happening? They burned in jerseys and all of that because LeBron left Cleveland. And that was the smartest move um, that LeBron could make. He must have been best friends with wisdom because in Cleveland, he had goals of winning the championship. He had a desire to get the victory. But then LeBron James, King James, realized that I can't get to my destiny with the type of teammates that I have around me. He, he, he came to the conclusion that I can't win a championship with people like Daniel Gibson and Elgowskis and Drew Gooden. So what did he do? He decided to keep the same goal, but I'm changing teams. He said, I know that I can't win. I know I can't reach my goal with these teammates that I have around me. So what he did was he disconnected from the people that was keeping him from his destiny and connected with people who already had a championship, like Dwayne Wade and Pat Riley, got him a talented big man and Chris Bosh. And LeBron James teaches us that when wisdom is our best friend, Every now and again, we're going to have to make a crew change that, that if there are people around me that are holding me back from my destiny, I have to do the wise thing and selecting some friends that can take me to the level that God has for my life. Is there anybody in the room that can testify that when you made a crew change, that's when God was able to take you from faith to faith and from glory to glory? Who's in your circle? Watch what the text says. If, if, if sinners entice you, don't even mess with them. You go the other way. This is about friendships. Because here's the thing that I discovered, Minister Hall, that I don't need help in sinning. I don't need assistance in my sin. Because all of us got sins that we struggle with. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short. And I don't need help sinning. What's that movie that said, I can do bad all by myself. I don't need no help sinning because sin is already enticing. Sin is already attractive. Sin is already alluring. I don't need friends that will push me to sin because I'm, I'm a professional sinner. Y'all ain't got to look at me like that because you a professional sinner too. We born and raised in sin. Shaping in iniquity. Anytime I want to do good, evil is always stalking me. Paul said it best that I am the worst sinner of them all. I don't need help sinning. I don't need friends that can push me toward my sin. But I need some friends that can hold me accountable. I need some friends... They won't tell me what I want to hear, but tell me what I need to hear. I, I, I need friends that can pray for me. I need friends that can walk me through scripture and show me where I messed up. They can redirect me to the purpose and the destiny that God has for my life. And notice, notice how the friends in the text were trying to entice the sin. Notice what they said. 
verse 10. It says, verse 11, they say, come join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Well, here it is, just for fun. We're going to have a good time. They're trying to get them to sin. It's going to be fun. Live your best life. You only live once. Have a good time. Here's what I discovered. That when wisdom is your best friend, not only should you make a crew change, but you should also redefine what fun is. Your definition of fun changes when wisdom becomes your best friend. Why is it that when we talk about having a good time, um, live your best life, you only live once, it's always referring to something that goes opposite of what God has told us. So we talk about having fun. Yeah, we get drunk, get high, have sex with strangers. That's a good time. Live your best life. You only live once. But when wisdom is your best friend, you got to change your definition of what fun is. Because here it is. It can be fun in the moment. But then when the consequences come, it ain't so much fun after that. Okay, y'all going to be fake on me. Let me see if I can get y'all to be real. Um, now, y'all can't judge me, all right? I'm just trying to prove a point. Um, it can be fun. It, getting drunk could be fun. It could be fun in the moment. But in the morning, when you're throwing up dealing with a hangover, that ain't fun. It, using cannabis can be fun. But when the THC is mixed with depression and anxiety, and you don't know what's real from what's fantasy. That ain't fun. Um, having sex outside of marriage could be a blast. But in the moment. But then when you're dealing with soul ties and your soul is tied to a soul you don't know. And you're dealing with unexpected pregnancies and you're trying to cure STDs and your family is falling apart. Man, that consequence don't match up to that three minutes of fun you was trying to have. At some point, your best friend wisdom ought to help you change your definition of what fun is. Because now I'm defining fun not by the activity, but by the consequence that comes after the activity. I don't know about you, but building a life with one woman, that's fun. Going to church is fun. Pulling up to Bible study is fun. Reading my scriptures is fun. Giving my tithes and offering is fun. Managing my money correctly is fun. Giving to the poor is fun. Is there anybody in the room that thanks God that when your best friends with wisdom, it changes your definition of what fun is? Anybody having a good time today? When your best friends with wisdom, it changes your definition of fun. You got to be careful who you allow to ride with you in, in this thing called life. We was, we was at a lunch meeting earlier this week, and uh, we went to go have lunch downtown on Mass Ave, and we coming out the restaurant, and, and I, I see a car. You know, it's Halloween now. Everybody gets so hyped for Halloween. And, and I see a car that's parked in the parking spot, and they had, they had a skeleton in the passenger seat. It's Halloween now. I come out the restaurant, and I notice a skeleton. I had to take a picture. A skeleton in a passenger seat. And I discovered that this ain't the only one. 
that has dead people in the car with them. That many of us are missing out on purpose, on greatness, on success, on destiny, because we got too many dead people riding along with us. But when wisdom is your best friend, you're able to figure out who's dead and who's alive. And how many know that once you have some people around you that can push you towards your destiny, God can take you from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm almost done. When wisdom is your best friend, it has a positive impact on your family life. When wisdom is your best friend, it has a positive impact on your friendships. Here's the last thing and we're gone. When wisdom is your best friend, it'll have a positive impact on your future. Can we read a little bit more? These, the king was trying to get his children. These are, these are children of the king. He said, you just can't hang out with anybody. And these are people that were trying to set ambushes for other people, trying to trap other people based off of their desire for materialistic things. And notice what verse 18 says. Read with me. It says, but these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. Notice what robbed them of life. It was their desires, their thirst, their hungers, their desires. There's, there's a need underneath their skin that hasn't been met. And as a result of trying to meet a need that hasn't been met, they did it in a way that went against the plan of God. And as a result, as they're trying to set traps for other people, that same trap that they were trying to set takes them out because it was their desires. And, and, when, you, and when your desires are driving you, you have to be careful of where you end up. When your desires are driving you, um, every now and again, it will take you on the road to destruction because your desires are powerful. And when your desires are driving you, you can end up at the wrong place with the wrong people in the wrong situation. Because when desires are driving you, you end up on the road to destruction. Have y'all ever been on a road trip before? You ever, you ever driven somewhere a few hours away and, um, and on, a, on a particular highway, on a particular street, um, you'll have tolls, there'll be tolls set up, and you got to pay to stay on the road. There's a cost you have to pay to stay on the road. Well, well, every now and again, when you're driving on, on, on the highway on a road trip, there'll be a sign that comes up that says, um, last exit, last free exit before toll. You're on the road getting to your destination. Um, you'll end up paying a cost to stay on the road. But there are some signs and warnings before you have to pay that will say, last free exit before the toll. The sign is trying to warn us that if you stay on the road that you're on, sooner or later, it'll take a toll on you. Sooner or later, you'll have to pay a cost. Sooner or later, you'll have to come up on something because you're heading on a road. Sooner or later, it's going to have to pay a toll. But the sign says, this is the last free exit. And if I was you, I'll get off the road that I was on because I ain't trying to pay the cost. There's somebody in here today, you've allowed your desires to drive you on the road to destruction. But God, by his power of the Holy Spirit, has given me a warning to tell you that this is the last exit before life begins to take a toll on you. The Bible says that when you're driven by desires, it leads to death. But how many you know that when you're driven by the 
the Spirit of God, it leads to life. Is there anybody in the room that thanks God that you're driven by the Spirit of God, which leads to life? Here it is. Here it is because, because your desires are so powerful. Have you, ever, have you ever wanted something until you got it? You, you desired something so bad. You wanted it so bad. You, 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 you desired it so much that when you finally got it, you realize this ain't even what I want. Oh, y'all gonna play like, y'all gonna act like y'all ain't never desired something like that. I mean, you, 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 you desire something so bad. God gave it to you. Then you realize, man, I don't even want this. It's kind of like that person who was trying to find a job and they came across a job opportunity that was going to pay you more money than you ever had before. And God told you, God was trying to redirect you to another place. But that money was calling you. You desired that money so bad. You finally got the job. You started making the money. Then you realize this ain't even fulfilling. It's like that person. You was attracted to that individual so much. And, and you've allowed your sexual desires to drive you. Drive you to a place of adult fun in a specific place. And you desire it so much so you setting up your schedule and arranging your day to meet up. You finally get it. And you discover, I ain't even want this. It's, it's kind of like that person, you, you went to go get that car you wanted, and a few years later, it, it wasn't fulfilling. You went to go charge that new outfit you wanted, and a couple weeks later, you ain't even what you want. You, you, you got that new piece of technology, and every year it upgrades, and you discover this ain't even fulfilling. Because anything outside the will of God would never be fulfilling. It would never satisfy you. And the only thing that can satisfy the emptiness in your soul is the grace, the mercy, the love of God. Don't allow your desires to take you to the road of destruction. But when, when, when your fear of the Lord, your acknowledgement of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when wisdom is your best friend, she won't drive you to the road of destruction. But she will lead you to the path of destiny. I'm going to end with this. Um, I'm going to testify about desires. Desires are very powerful. And in my own personal life, I've allowed desires to run me, to drive me. And, and when you allow desires to drive you like that, you can end up lost somewhere. You, 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 ever, you ever been lost trying to get to a certain place? I know it's, it's kind of difficult to be lost now. You, it'll have to be a choice for you to be lost now that we have technology and these navigational systems. But, but have you ever put in an address in your navigational system and, and for some reason you ended up taking a wrong turn? Notice what happens. You don't have to give up on the guide that's trying to get you to your destination. But what the guide does is recalculate where you are redirects you to get to where you're supposed to go. That's what wisdom does for you and I. That when, that when desires have us lost, wisdom can recalculate where we are to get us to the path that God has for our life. It's like a navigation. There's, a, there's an app that's out. Um, it's called Waze. You ever heard of Waze? This is navigational app my wife put me on. 
And she's and, and, and in the app, it's very interesting because when you put in the destination of where you're going, say you come in 5750 East 30th Street, and you put it in your in Waze. Waze will not only give you the direction it takes to get to where you're going, but it will start telling you things you need to watch out for. Police officer ahead. I need to, I don't know about you, but I need to know what they <laughs> police officer ahead. Construction over here. A pothole a few miles away. Traffic ahead. And, and it tells you what you need to look out for on your way to your destination. And it was blowing my mind because I'm trying to figure out how does Waze even know what's, what's in the way? How does Waze even know that the traffic is ahead, that the cop is on to the side, that there's a car stopped over ahead? How does Waze even know? And then, and then my wife told me, she said that there were people who went ahead of you that realized that the cop was on the side, that a pothole was right here, that construction is over there. And because they went ahead of you, they are now warning you on what to look out for so that you can maneuver through the distractions to get to your destination. Well, guess what? Over 2,000 years ago, we had somebody that went ahead of us, that before the foundations of the world, Christ already went ahead, and he gave us warning through our app to let us know that you're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. You can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. That, yeah, tribulation may come, but you ain't got a trip because I've overcome the world. Is there anybody in the room that can praise God that when wisdom is your best friend, you have a road to de destiny, you have a road to purpose, and end up in the place that God has for your life? Somebody in the room ought to give God praise that wisdom is your best friend.